Hello and welcome to First Flight, a Star Trek Enterprise rewatch podcast where we are watching and discussing each episode of Enterprise in succession. First Flight is a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions Network. This is Commander Tucker of Enterprise. We've got some information you're going to want to hear. Welcome, Enterprise fans. I'm your co-host, Melanie. And I'm your co-host, Abby. And tonight we are talking about Fallen Hero, the 22nd episode of Season 1. This episode was written by Alan Cross, based on a story by Rick Berman, Brennan Braga, and Chris Black. It was directed by Patrick Norris, and it aired on May 8th, 2002. But before we begin our discussion, you know what? We need to issue a read alert. Tactical alert. All hands to stations. Spoiler warning. We might end up talking about any part of the series at any time. And now for a summary of the episode, it's time for Abby's captain's log. Okay, Abby, let's go. Captain Starlog Supplemental. Okay, Fallen Hero. Enterprise is called to transport a Vulcan ambassador, Valar, a role model of T'Pol's, but comes under attack from Mazarites, and Valar's integrity comes into question, forcing T'Pol to put Enterprise in a tough spot. Okay, it's time to deploy our subspace amplifiers and get into this episode. But first, a fun fact for our listeners... Abby, it was so cool that when we started getting to know each other and talking excitedly about Enterprise, we discovered randomly <laughs> that this is both of our favorite episodes from season one. Sure is. That's cool. All right. So let's get right into that cold open. And this time I'm actually going to do the cold open into the first scene on the bridge because this has got to be one of those moments that that you don't get a lot of comedy on Enterprise, but this was definitely a funny scene where they're trying to talk about shore leave and easing tensions and how efficiency is down and everybody is just uncomfortable. Even to Paul, for as much as she doesn't show emotion, she's broaching this carefully and precisely because it's it, it could be a touchy subject, but these scenes and then trip wholeheartedly embracing Riza and the idea of Riza and shore leave is just a really nice bit of characterization for all of our big three near the end of this season. And think about how much they have grown from when we first saw them to where they are now having this conversation. And that's one of the things that jumps out to me and why I had to pull it into that second scene, because this just shows that the crew of Enterprise has become a family and they're comfortable with each other in more ways than just professionally. And I really like that. Abby, I love this cold open. It's fantastic. And I love that it starts in the middle of the scene that we don't see the beginning part. It's done so well when Archer says, yeah, we heard you. <laughs> and the looks that they're giving each other are fantastic. The little quips, everything about it is hilarious. And then, like you said, moving into that bridge scene where 
to Paul says the thing about the Hawaiian shirt. If you're trying to impress women, you might as well stay on board and all of that. And her supporting Archer to go for shore leave. I love both of those sections. It's a great kickoff to this episode. Yeah. And I think it's nice because when you watch the background actors, when you get onto the bridge, when you're watching, you know, Hoshi and Travis and all that, too, they're not really in the conversation, but they're they're still there and they're still reacting. And those are some beautiful little tiny moments in there and looks between between all of our usual bridge crew. And it's just so fun. What a nice way to start an episode that takes you know quite a heavy turn by the end of it to have this little bit of levity really adds some balance. Yeah, I love that also. But unfortunately, Abby, their trip to Risa gets derailed because we find out about this mission to transport Valar. There are so many good zingers and one-liners in this episode, and I'm sure we'll be discussing them. But one of the ones that I love between Forrest and Archer is when the Admiral says, this may come as a surprise to you, John, but the Vulcans aren't talking. I love that. I laugh every time at that line, both the delivery and Archer receiving it because it's, you knew it was coming. And that's one of those moments where you see that Archer and Forrest are really friends. And I like that because they're talking Mm -hmm. as professionals and as superior officer and, you know, the less superior officer, but they're also friends. And that's such an interesting dynamic because they go back and forth so fluidly. And I know I've said it before, and I'm sure I'll say it again, but this is one of the reasons that I really think Admiral Forrest is a great supporting character. Just the way that he interacts with Archer is so natural. And that's a thread throughout all of Enterprise. Most definitely. He's definitely one of my favorite characters. One thing that crossed my mind was when T'Pol gave Archer the list of protocol in regards to interacting with the ambassador. It reminded me of in the Andorian incident when she gave them all the rules about don't speak when you're spoken to, accept the stone, all of that. It definitely had that vibe. And I thought it was so interesting to see the preparations and Hoshi's cabin. And of course, another zinger about I hope it's Spartan enough. Yes. So it was it was interesting to see the preparations for receiving Valar. Well, I think it's important because it shows how much respect to Paul has for Valar before she even steps on board. Because you know, this actress and this this character have a presence, but even before we see the character, we're seeing to Paul's reaction to knowing she's going to see this character. And that's mm-hmm. that's very powerful. And it sets up the rest of this episode. We know that this is someone that T'Pol holds in high esteem. And there aren't a lot of people that T'Pol holds in high esteem. And our crew knows that at this point. So they're willing to do a lot of these things that seem a bit over the top. And I have to say, if we're talking about zingers, this one is nonverbal, but the tiny sniff that T'Pol gives at the very (laughs) end of the scene in Hoshi's quarters to try to see if she can still smell is another moment that just makes me kind of snort giggle every single time. It's so little, and it's not even a second long, but it's, it's, it's a T'Pol zinger without saying a word. <laughs> that makes me laugh, too. So since Valar is about to enter the airlock, I would like to just take a moment to express how fantastic this guest star is. I'm assuming her first name is pronounced Fanula Flanagan, but I could be wrong. 
She just commands every scene in this episode, in my opinion, so spectacular. Right from the first moment she walks in, her putting out her hand for that handshake. I just always love it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like I said before, she, as an actress and as a character, just has such a commanding presence and such an air and an aura about her from the second she walks in the airlock. And again, yes, this is a repeated Trek guest star. You know, if anybody's thinking about Data's mom when she walked in, yes, same actress. I love how you get the whole sense of her in that very first conversation. And you can see to Paul being a little bit surprised at a lot of these as our Archer and Trip. But I think she presents as both a highly esteemed and respectable Vulcan and not your most traditional Vulcan at the same time. She definitely has more emotion at the surface than a lot of higher up Vulcans, even though it is very controlled and very precise and she, she, you can see she's not afraid to talk about, notice, call out emotion. And she's got a little of that going on in herself right away, even if it's, even if it's not something that is, is readily obvious to anyone other than to Paul. And I think that's a really interesting contradiction that she is faced with the very first second that she walks on the ship. I completely agree. I mean, you can tell that her years of being a diplomat have definitely made her more experienced in dealing with other cultures, but I think it goes even beyond that. She's interested in other people, and she does want to be respectful by adopting their customs, but also it seems like it's a part of her, too. So even later on, when she says about Archer, he's a most intriguing man. I love that line. Love the way she delivers it. She's very curious and interested and thoughtful and deep. And I I just love her from this scene moving forward. And you can definitely see Trip and Archer kind of looking at each other like, hmm, this is not what we were expecting. Yeah. And that continues into when they have the uh, the dinner scene and they're talking about you know how old everybody is and all her experiences and the food and all that. And don't think that I forgot the food in the very first scene. All of you know it going, wait a minute, Abby's not talking about the food. Oh no, I noticed it. You can (laughs) barely see it. I freeze framed. But uh, I'm also happy to say that in this scene, the Vulcans have dinner that looks fantastic. So bravo for that. (laughs) But I think it's interesting how she almost attempts humor and, and guilt and, uh, you know, teasing scolding in this. Because that's not very Vulcan. And one of the things that I thought about after I rewatched this multiple times is she never lies this entire episode. She never lies. And we know Vulcans can be very creative about stretching the truth, emitting pieces of the truth and all that. But even when you go back and watch this, this very first scene, she is so deft at deflecting or changing the question or the narrative so that she doesn't have to answer things. And even later on when she's flat out asked things, she tries this until it's nothing to do except say, I can't tell you. And that's, that's a very well-written script. That's a very well-acted character trait. And that's just really interesting to see play out with our usual cast of characters. Well said. So I would be remiss if we were talking about 
Valar right now, and we don't mention the fact that she has a glorious costume, and the fabrics look rich, detailed, fantastic. It's got all that Vulcanness about it, but it also seems like she's got a little more color than a lot of the Vulcan higher ups that we see. So again, I think they really outdid themselves with the costuming and, and the makeup in, in this whole episode. But with Valar, just to see again that she's not dressing how you would expect the the higher up dignitaries in Vulcan culture to dress, just kind of uh, shows she's got that little extra spark. Yeah, I really liked her costume also. I completely agree. So our next big thing here is where we have the first attack from the Maserites. And then we realize that there's probably more going on to this situation than we expected. And I have to say, when the Maserites are first coming up and they're saying, hey, we need the ambassador, we want her back. Archer playing dumb and going, oh, well, I'm going to have to call my superiors. That was a brilliant move because you can't really argue with that. <laughs> and you can see that the Maserites are trying to do this without having to shoot. I mean, they're going to, but if they can do it an easier way, they're going to do that first. And that was just some, some very fine diplomacy, creative diplomacy right there. And, and I liked how when Archer went and tried to get Villar to explain things and she didn't, you saw more of his growth from what he would have done way back in Broken Bow to how he's approaching this now. is very mm -hmm. interesting. And you can see Archer's growth. And people complain, oh, well, Archer does things that nobody should or would or could do. Well, that's because he's learning. And this episode shows on both ends with confrontation with somebody friendly and with a confrontation with somebody who's not how far he's come in just one season. That's a really good point. I think it really does show his growth. And I love the way he thinks on his feet with the Maserats, like you said, about trying to wiggle out of that in a way. He, he's very quick with those things. He does this in numerous episodes, and this was great. So after the first attack winds up, and we know something is going on, but not much more than that. I think it's really interesting the conversation that Paul and Villar end up having in the mess hall over their their tea. And this is Paul at her finest. She's being logical. She's being, I believe the word was feisty. And I like that. And uh, she is making her point. And this shows growth from her too. I mean, I don't think she would have handled the situation the same way had she not been on Enterprise for almost a year at this point. She's definitely picked up on, on some of the, the human tenacity that isn't always first and foremost with the Vulcans, and I really enjoy that. I really appreciate that Valar is willing to take in this information and, and have her mind changed, and that she respects and appreciates that T'Pol was willing to do that for her and with her, because both of them are such strong women and they sh are so passionate and they will go to bat for what they believe in, but they are also willing to always take in more data and adapt and change as necessary. And that's powerful. That's, that's learning right there in action and that's growth. And for both of them to be at the highest level of doing that with each other is really beautiful to see. I completely agree. This is one of my favorite scenes of the episode. There is that balance of T'Pol wanting to be respectful, but also speaking her mind firmly and also 
making a case for Archer, trying to get Valar to see that he can be trusted and this can be made easier for him. And T'Pol is going to bat for Archer. I really like that. Her remembering T'Pol was a lovely moment, the way mm-hmm. T'Pol says you remembered. Because even though T'Pol is not showing her emotions, when she does say to Archer earlier in the episode, clearly she didn't remember. You could tell she was bummed out about that. Yes. And I like when she changes her mind. Like you said, when Talar says to Paul, I have something to tell you. She really got through to her. They had a great conversation. It was well acted, well written. And I really loved it as well. Which brings us to the T'Pol and Archer chat in his quarters. Great few seconds there of Porthos playing with his dad. I, I love that in the casual clothes. Just, hey, yeah, come on in. And there's good old Porthos. This is another brilliant scene. And my favorite part is when Archer makes up his mind and turns around and he's you know, taking it seriously, but not intensely seriously. He just says, that's what it is. I need more. He kind of turns around, end of discussion. And when T'Pol says, Captain, I've never asked anything of you before. Mm -hmm. That is such a powerful moment. And this is the moment that speaks to their relationship because Archer is taking her on faith, on instinct. He respects and admires T'Pol's instincts so much that he's willing to change his mind just because she's asking him to. He trusts her that implicitly she is able to sway him in that moment. And I think that speaks volumes about where they are in their friendship relationship at this part of the series. Yeah, this is another scene that just hits you in the gut. And there's so much spoken and unspoken. And one of the things I always notice about this is that there's always kind of a physical distance between Archer and T'Pol when they're just chatting in his quarters, the ready room, the bridge, wherever. She steps quite close to him when she makes this ask. Mm -hmm. Like, it is definitely one of those moments that she says, I'm taking this to a different level. I'm coming into your space. This is how serious it is. And the little nod he gives her after, I mean, there, there doesn't have to be words. Like, that, they have an understanding. And it's as much as what she said was vital, it's how she said it and all the unspoken that really made this just as powerful. Absolutely. Just brilliant. And as we progress through the episode, especially this last third part, This is what I love so much about this episode. Not only does it have this brilliant character development and emotions and in the feels, as you said, relationship building and all of that, but it's also just a great dramatic action episode with this whole race against time. I love race against time episodes and trying to get through to the Sharon and whose engine's going to top out and warp 4.8, 4.9. There's some great action here, too, combined with all the emotions and characterizations. And that's what I think makes it such a top-notch episode. It never lets up. There's not one wasted moment. Every moment is super interesting to me. And now we get into the Maserites coming into their second attack. And we have to try to figure out how to outrun them. What are your thoughts on this? 
Well, I also agree that the the ramping up of the tension in this episode is both with the action and the emotions, and that is such a nice juxtaposition and makes it feel complete and balanced, and mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. makes it feel like the stakes are much more real too. And when you get to the point with all this, that Archer's like, you know what, I'm risking my entire crew for this, but he knows he's doing it because it's the right thing to do. And pushing those engines like that, like, first of all, it was cool to watch everybody react to it, but poor trip down putting out the fires and engineering and everything. This was a calculated risk. And Thank goodness for that diplomatic channel that did get the message through because <laughs> whew, this could have had a very different ending. It was a big swing. And I mean, they were, they say that in Star Trek a lot to people, you know, you're, you take big swings, you make big choices, big chances. Thank goodness. Most of the time they pay off. I mean, this is a TV show. We're pretty sure it's going to end happy most of the time, but <laughs> it's, it's, it was a very good scene. And I loved Travis getting to be the one who actually pushed them to warp five on the console. Like he's got a little piece of history right there. Go Travis. Yay, Travis. Yeah. Even though there's tons of tension and the stakes are high and it's life or death and all of that, when they do hit warp five, mm-hmm. Archer does give a little smile. He has that little smile because they are proud. It is yeah. just on paper and they did it brief. So it was. And I love that moment also. And that kind of brings us to the moment of Archer and Valar having another conversation Mm -hmm. where she does tell him the truth. And I have to say, there are valid points all around here. I appreciate her honesty. And when she says, you just emerged from a global world war, and I thought (laughs) your efforts may be a little premature. That's actually a valid point. I mean, no, we don't like that the Vulcans held the humans back, but Valar is kind of looking at this rationally, logically, and while we might not agree with her, it is a valid point. And I like that they come to an understanding, that they draw closer together, that they begin to earn each other's trust. And I think that's another fantastic scene in his ready room. Yeah, this is another one of those moments where I say Enterprise lives in the gray, and that's one of the reasons I love Enterprise, because nobody is wrong here. And nobody's choice could be faulted. It's all gray. And it's about what you do with that gray. And that's that's this whole episode is all these different shades of gray. And that's one of the reasons that it always really resonates with me. And I have always enjoyed when Archer tells her to go to sickbay. And she looks at him and goes, hmm. sickbay? <laughs> and she's all just offended. And it's probably the most... Like it's 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 a lot of emotion for a Vulcan, and his response just is, <laughs> "If there was ever a time to start trusting us, now would be it." And it's the way he says it, and the look he gives her is just pure Jonathan Archer. And it that moment always strikes me too, because here we go: the man who didn't trust Vulcans at all is now willing to sacrifice his ship, himself, and so much to save a Vulcan, and that's that's a big step. And that's, that's an interesting thing to chew on too. I mean, if this had been some other ambassador, would this have had the same play out? Don't know. That's a great moment. I love it too. Their expressions are fantastic. And when she gets into the turbo lift, her very last look to him is like, yeah, I'm with you. She does this almost little nod like, yep, got it. I trust you. 
I love that. And here's Archer thinking on his feet again. And we've talked about this in other episodes about how everyone joins in in cahoots to figure out some type of play acting plan or something. And again, they whip this up in under 10 minutes. I love this scene with flocks in sickbay with the imaging chamber. Just brilliant perfection along with the high stakes, the tension, some good stuff here. Yeah, Flax always makes things better, as we know. But I have to say that this is the second time that Archer this season has gotten Flax to help, quote unquote, lie for a Vulcan. He did it in Shadows of Pajem when they were, you know, implying strongly with that T'Pol was not OK to go. And, and so I, I kind of have this headcanon that Flax secretly likes this kind of stuff and kind of has his little super spy moment that he doesn't mind being in on this because eventually it's going <laughs> to be the right thing. It just seems very in character for him. Like if they had a holodeck, he'd probably be in there, you know, playing spies. But that's just me. And I, I have to say this scene when Flox yells no, when they start to shoot the imaging chamber, mm-hmm. holy bananas, that Flox, the character can act because that, that was heart wrenching to hear him say that the way he does just blurted out trying to save this life that he knows very well is not in there. So bravo to the actor acting as the character acting. <laughs> Good point. Yes. Flox did a great job with that. And this ending part where Valar does enter sick bay and the Maserites are Maserites are not happy. And then Archer gives her that little knowing look. What a great way to wrap up that scene. And she's she's feeling pretty happy in that moment. And that's it's just a great payoff, I think. So, yeah, this is definitely the mic drop moment of this episode. And to have the Vulcans who came to their rescue witness it, too, is just beautiful. And these Maserites are you know, going home like dogs with tails between their legs. They realize that they were beaten at their own game and there's more to come. I mean, she's going to testify against them shortly. So while I don't wish mm-hmm. any harm on the Maserites in general, these corrupt ones, they got what's coming to them. That's a little bit of universe karma. Oh, big time karma. I agree. And before we get into the ending airlock scene, I forgot to say something I just wanted to mention about our wonderful Captain Archer when he is going toe-to-toe with the Maserites with pushing the engines. And they say to him, you know, your engines are overheating. Did you know that? He says, so are yours. <laughs> just the way he's the way he says that, and with Malcolm's little look of yeah i forgot to mention that's another moment i love in this episode jonathan archer being real so are yours love it so now we come to the goodbye and i i get a little choked up here and again this is valar with her emotions a little more on the surface like you were mentioning at the beginning of the podcast because when she sighs to her aides and mm-hmm. says, I wish that every time I go somewhere, it's not like a state visit. She's exasperated. Again, emotions on the surface. It's a funny line. And for me, another endearing thing about Valar. Yeah, and I feel like this, this was one of those moments where we as an audience see Archer and Paul's relationship growing over the season. And we are noticing how much it's changed and grown and almost is blooming at this point. 
but to have Valar pointed that out to them and to generalize it even into being a bigger thing between their two peoples, that was beautiful. And I think it's one of those moments where both Archer and T'Pol realized even more. Because I think since they're in it and they're living it and they're growing with it, it's one of those things that you don't always take the time of self-reflection going, oh, wow, I've really gotten close to this person and blah, blah, blah. So this was kind of a gut check to them. And the looks they gave each other were very mm-hmm. meaningful. And I think that we see this just continuing to grow. And this is one of those big pivotal moments of it. Yes. And speaking of Archer and T'Pol's relationship, as well as Archer and Valar's relationship, and Archer's growth, as you were talking about in his journey throughout this episode. One of my absolute favorite things in this episode is these camera shots that keep going back to T'Pol, these reaction shots that she's having on the bridge every time something happens where she's seeing the journey, she's seeing Archer and Valar earn each other's trust and come closer together and how Archer is responding to this situation. T'Pol is along for the ride here and she's seeing it in front of her eyes as it's happening and the camera keeps shooting back to her and we see her with looks of warmth, relief, she's pleased, we're sensing everything that she's feeling as she's seeing it happen in real time and I absolutely love that and again fantastic face acting. Yeah, and it really shows how Jolene has grown into the character in this season, too. And, God, the face acting. If I could do half the things with my face that she could do with one eyebrow, I'd, I'd be golden. Because it is, it is a talent, and we cannot sing the praises enough of it. And how she chooses as an actor to respond and, and use those tiny micro-movements is very, very powerful and often underrated. For sure. And like you said, Valar speaking about their friendship at the end here and boding well for the relationship with Vulcans and humans and all of that was just so beautiful that she, that she picked it up. She was insightful. She mentioned it. Archer says goodbye. Ambassador gives her her bag. It's just a beautiful ending to a spectacular episode. Couldn't have said it better. All right, it's time for Porthos's pick, our favorite part of the episode. Abby, what's your favorite part? All right, so this is a little bit of a heavy one, but I cannot stop thinking about the time when Tapal and Valar are getting in front of her quarters and they're talking back and forth and Valar says she senses anger. And T'Pol says, well, whatever you're sensing, it's not anger. And she looks again and says, no, it's disappointment. And let me tell you, that resonates so deeply with me because I, I can remember moments in my young life of finding out the people that I admired, that were my heroes, that I looked up to, that they were people and that I was disappointed in things they did or said or ways they acted. And how that breaks your heart the first few times and about how it can still break your heart as an adult. And it's 
it's hard. It's worse to have somebody that you respect be disappointed in you than to be angry at you. It's, it's a different level. And I know that as a parent, as a teacher, as a daughter myself, that that is something that I am always thinking of and, and conscious of, and that I will vocalize to those around me because it's, it's a powerful statement to say that I'm, that it's disappointment because that, that implies that there was feelings and that there was personal buy-in to it all, as opposed to anger that can just be, you know, righteous anger, flame up, up high, burn out fast. You can be angry without necessarily being passionate about something, but disappointment takes that personal connection. So that, that really hit me. And that's what I've been thinking about a lot since I started rewatching this episode and the way that those two women play it back and forth. And T'Pol doesn't really answer. She just says goodnight. And it just sits with me. And it's not the easiest moment. It's not the prettiest moment. It's not the one you want to go back and rewatch, but it's the one that sticks with me. And that's the point. Wow. That's a really good point about disappointment versus anger in real life stakes. So I I hear what you're saying. And this is another impactful, poignant scene in the episode. My heart actually breaks for Valar in this scene. I know T'Pol has a right to feel the way she feels. But for some reason, I just find it a really heartbreaking scene. And when she does say goodnight and walk away, that's that puts even more emphasis on it. It's it's a sad moment. Yeah. And I can see why you would choose that. My Porthos pick is just a quick moment. And no matter how many times I watch this episode, it always is my favorite moment. I don't know why it just gets me every time. It's when Archer offers his chair to Valar to sit down in, in the bridge. And um, on the bridge, excuse me. And it just gets me. It just gets me. It's lovely. It's thoughtful. It's heartwarming, courteous, respectful, whatever you want to call it. Just somewhere for her to sit and the way he offers it to her and the way she takes it after they had that big conversation. It just gets me. And I love it. Yeah, it's one of those beautiful little details that Enterprise is so good at. And, you know, if nothing else, Jonathan Archer can be unfailingly polite. So Good for him again. Accessing library computer data. All right, it's time to share some trivia. Abby, I'm curious to hear what you found out about Fallen Hero. Just two quick little things here. That this is the first use of the Vulcan salute, the live long and prosper in Enterprise. And it's said by Valar to DePaul near the end. And the other little thing is that as promised back in fight or flight, the stars in Hoshi's cabin now move from right to left. And that shows that she moved her quarters onto the ship's port side, like she requested. And that again, wonderful little details. Gotta love them. Oh, wow. That's super cool about the Vulcan live long and prosper. Love that. And I did not notice the stars, Abby. I have to watch this again. (laughs) That did not cross my mind. Is that from the scene in the cabin where it's Spartan? That scene? Yes, that one. Right? Yep. Okay. I have to go rewatch that. That is some great continuity there. 
I also have a couple little trivia points as well. The first being that we learned that the phase cannons cannot fire at warp. I don't think we knew that. And that's an interesting tidbit to know. Mm-hmm. Archer's clearly not happy about that. Hopefully Malcolm can figure that one out. And I think this might be the first time that we realize that Vulcans age differently than we do. Because when Valar says the point about you're certainly dining with the oldest people on the ship, Trip kind of gives to Paul that, huh? Look, like, oh, really? <laughs> so that might be the first time we're hip to that in Enterprise. Yep, I think you're right. What fun little continuity bits in here. Yeah, I like that last one too. And I love how it keeps coming back and Trip keeps needling to Paul about that for what, two and a half more seasons? So, <laughs> absolutely. Transfer of data is complete. Okay, we've arrived at our Vulcan's verdict on a scale of one to 10 grapplers. How are you rating Fallen Hero, Abby? Well, as we said at the beginning of this episode, this is my favorite episode of season one. It's got depth, it's got heart, it's got action, it's got humor, and it shows how much the relationships between our crew members has deepened. And it's got that cool look into Vulcan culture. So from my very first viewing when it aired, I have found this episode to be a top tier Enterprise episode. So 10 out of 10 grapplers for me. Wow. It's a biggie. A very high rating. Abby, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we discovered that this is also my favorite episode of season one. Barring, I will say, the pilot and, of course, Endorian Incident. Both of those are way up as well. But this is my favorite. And before I give my grappler rating, I just want to say that I know we're going to talk about grappler ratings at the end of the season during our season wrap-up episode yes and we yes so we have we're gonna have a good time talking about the wrap-up of season one and i know at the beginning when we gave our ratings for the very first episode we wanted to start low to give ourselves a little bit of room for the whole entire series and i know we both rated broken bow i believe we gave it an eight Mm -hmm. so before i rate this one i would just say if i could go back in time i would raise broken bow because that's also A darn good episode of season one. But back to this one. Abby, this episode is the complete package. The way it's crafted together is perfection for me. This is outstanding storytelling at its finest between the amazing guest star, the fantastic writing, the acting, the character development, the action, the high stakes, The great scenes, the race against time, all wrapped together without any filler. Every moment matters and is super engaging and intriguing for me. So I also gave this episode 10 out of 10 grapplers. Yes. And Abby, because this is a rare occurrence of both of us giving this episode of 10, I think we need a soundbite moving forward for now and the future on those rare occurrences that this happens, if it should ever happen again throughout the rest of the series. So here we go. Now that is some good Star Trek. My chronometer is running backwards, sir. 
Incoming transmission. You read my letter? And now it's time for Daniels to send us back in the timeline so we can hear from you. Abby, what do you have for us? So today I have a comment about Voxola, which was our last episode that we went through. And it's from our friend Carrie at Care Bear Lib, L-I-B, librarian um, on Twitter. And she has recently gone through and rewatched this episode and she did a whole bunch of tweets about it. So in summary, she says, well, I wouldn't call this a good episode. I had so much fun tweeting about it because it was so funny. I tweeted about the goop, which was ridiculous. It looked like plastic melted in the microwave. And I tweet a few funny lines from the episode, too. I think this is one of the funniest episodes in Trek, even if that's not what the writers intended. And she picked out a few of our favorites that gave us some giggles, too, about how um, the Cretacean's word for eat and mate are so close. When Travis is trying to get Malcolm to stay for the movie, he goes, no, you'll like it. Things blow up. And when Archer and Tucker are talking about how water polo is actually cool and not just a bunch of guys screwing around in the pool. So (laughs) I love that Carrie loves this episode for a completely different reason than we do. And you know what? There are some really good humorous moments in there. So go ahead and look back for her uh, tweet thread for that. And we'll see if we can't put that up on our Twitter feed as well. So you can go back and see some of these things that she wrote because they are truly funny. Oh, wow. That's so cool. I love to hear Carrie's perspective. And those lines are hilarious. I I also love that line about these guys screwing around in the pool. So thank you, Carrie. That's such an interesting take on it. I love it. And if you'd like to continue the discussion with us or share any of your thoughts or picks or ratings, you can reach us at First Flight Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And Abby, what's the best way to find you? Best place to find me is on Twitter, and I'm at Abby M. Summer. That's S-O-M-M-E-R. And you can reach me on Twitter also at ShuttlePod2, ShuttlePod T-W-O. We want to thank you for joining us, and we'll be back next time with Desert Crossing, the 23rd episode of Season 1. And as always, we leave you with this quote from Captain Jonathan Archer. The most profound discoveries are not necessarily beyond that next star. They're within us woven into the threads that bind us, all of us, to each other.